let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, Lime, the company that makes those green e-bikes and scooters you see all over the city, says they just broke their DC area record for scooter and e-bike trips, 430,000 trips in May. Now, it kind of caught me by surprise just how ubiquitous those green bikes and scooters have become in just the past few months, maybe even more so than pre-COVID. So does this mean that people are switching to scooters? And what does this mean for the culture, the look, and the feel of D.C.? I have a lot of feelings about it, so I called my co-host Michael Schaefer to discuss. Today's Tuesday, June 27th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what D.C. is talking about. All right, so if you spend any time on like neighborhood listservs in DC, you will find that there are a lot of people with very strong feelings about dockless vehicles, scooters, and bikes. And it turns out that my beloved co-host, Bridget, also has some feelings here. It is very true. I have strong feelings about dockless vehicles. Before I was someone who used them, my feelings were, boy, these vehicles are everywhere. There's scooters on the sidewalk, scooters on the you know, where they ought not be, scooters on the metro, everywhere. Then I started taking Uber's electric bike service, or at least at one point I did, but just two days ago I decided I'm done with it, I'm swearing it off, because those bikes never work. I was trying to get downtown for an appointment. I got on an Uber, one of those green e-bikes. It only had one pedal, so I was like, okay, this is not going to work. I ended the ride, got on another one. Um, It only had one brake. Okay, not going to work. I got on a third bike. It didn't have a seat. So I was like, how is it that we are seeing these bikes everywhere? We have just accepted that they are a part of our city landscape, littering every public surface, but half of the time they don't even work. So I guess that's my big question. Like, what is going on with these electric dockless vehicles? You know, who is regulating them? What is the landscape of them? And can it be better? How is it changing the city? Mike, I understand that you don't actually like have strong feelings about these because you don't really use them that often. Well, yeah. I mean, look at I think from a like urbanism point of view, the more ways there are to get around the city, the better. And the same way that like Metro changed people's ideas of like what's close to what and where can you actually live and where do you want to hang out and so on. These have the potential to do that. And, and for a lot of people have done that particularly away from like core neighborhoods. Like I live up upper Northwest and, and it's actually like, if you're like three quarters of a mile from the Metro, it's actually a great way of like fixing that last mile problem, but they got to work, right? <laughs> like, and they got to be ubiquitous because if you are like thinking like, I've got a dentist appointment at two, how am I going to get there? And you can't bank on there being a conveyance there, then it doesn't matter. These are for-profit companies. If they are putting products on the street that don't work, eventually people are going to stop subscribing and that's going to be the end of that. Exactly. I think you're so spot on about how these 
vehicles have changed our understanding of DC. DC is so small. You really, even without an electric bike, someone who wanted to could bike from one side of the city to the other, and it wouldn't be that big of an ordeal. The ubiquity of these electric vehicles has really changed my relationship to the city. Like what I think of as far away, when I'm looking for places I might want to live one day, you know, the idea of having available bike shares and scooters does sort of change the math on what I think of as accessible or easy to get to and things like that in a way that I I don't think I ever really thought about before now. But they have to work because you can't plan your transportation. You can't plan around the found money of maybe this bike will randomly work. My, My gripe is that I think that especially with the green, now Uber owned and operated electric bikes, they rarely work. It's always some problem where the electro boost is not working. So it's like, I just wonder, the equation of accepting that these are going to be littered all over the city, blocking sidewalks, blocking paths to get to the metro or whatever, but also half of them are just garbage because they don't work. That seems like an unacceptable equation to me. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree. That's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So you are basically making like a utilitarian calculation here, which is that you will tolerate more blockage on the sidewalks and things littered around if the upside of that is that you have a predictable way of getting where you want to go when it, when you want to get there. And the fact that they are junk means you're not willing to tolerate when people technically illegally leave them blocking a, a sidewalk or so on. More or less. I don't think that anybody should block the sidewalk for any reason, even if you're a human that has legs and can move. I think sidewalks are for things and people that are actively in motion. I will accept the visual blight and the visual noise of these bikes. They're always brightly colored. Ugh. I will accept that if it means that they are a reasonable way of getting around. If they're just garbage, why do I have to look at these things littering the city if they're also like not going to work? And that there is like when people leave bike shares blocking the sidewalk or blocking something, that is actually against the law because in 2021, DC made a change that you had to lock your scooter or your dockless vehicle to a bike rack or leave it at least five feet away from where pedestrians would be. I have to imagine that this might not be the most enforceable thing considering I see them where they ought not be 
all the time, but at least there is some understanding of like, yeah, you're not supposed to just leave them wherever. Right. And it's like, look at from a, from the point of view of like the city in the aggregate, these are a great thing. It is great to have like another quasi public uh, transportation system that gets you particularly to like specific places, not, you know, big stations and intersections. So I can see why from a like regulatory point of view, you don't want to go too hard on these things because it's a city is better off having them. That is to say, if they work. But, you know, you, you leave the situation where a lot of people who are going to use the sidewalk for other things like walking feel disadvantaged by this and feel like it's a blight and, um, and you are one of them. Yes. And I also think that if you are somebody who is able-bodied and you take scooters or e-bikes, and even if you are not on one that day and you see one blocking a sidewalk, there needs to be like a cultural norm that is like, if you take these and you see one of them blocking a sidewalk, just move it. I do think there has to be some kind of a shared cultural understanding, taking care to make sure that we are creating an environment where it's not going to be inconveniencing folks that, you know, need the sidewalk, folks who have mobility issues that can't easily maneuver around this, like, green bikes splayed out in front of the sidewalk. Um, yeah, I, I think there needs to be a, just a little bit more of a collective attitude about how these are going to play into the city from a standpoint of people who may not even ever use them. Right. And I think I think you get to, like, a sort of big philosophical divide. No one understands it as philosophy, but, like, about sidewalks in general like what are they for well like the word walk is right there in the name but you know we we've had like more or less degrees of protection for like how sacrosanct the sidewalk is going to be it was you know in the before times there was like almost too much on the other extreme of like uh, protecting the sidewalk which is to say like like there were rules in a lot of places not always DC, but in a lot of places that made it impossible to operate a sidewalk cafe. I think a lot of people would agree that a sidewalk cafe is like a nice thing. It, it, it makes a neighborhood feel pleasant and vibrant and bustling and, and a lot of good things. But people would say, not inaccurately, like, hey, wait a minute, that sidewalk is like our public property. This business that is using it for a cafe, they don't pay taxes on the sidewalk. They're not the ones who installed the concrete or whatever they're made of. Why should they take our public space? And that's, uh, you know, I think there's an answer to the why, which is that this is a nice thing and we like it. But there is, has always been a divide over this. DC has ticked back more towards the uh, lots of different uses side. But the question of like blocking them with scooters is clearly one that remains aggravating because people ain't following the rules. Right. Oh my God. This is, do you ever realize that you have a deeply held opinion that is coming from a place of like being kind of a neighborhood Karen. Sidewalk usage is my issue where it's like, wow, I sound like a angry person who was like, mm -mm, can't do that on the sidewalk. Because I get so grumpy when people are using the sidewalk in ways that I don't think sidewalks should be used. I agree like with what you. what other ways? Oh my God. People who walk for a breast on a sidewalk where it's like, oh, we're walking. We have no sense that maybe people behind us want to get around us. We're walking Sex in the City style, for our breasts, taking up the entire sidewalk. Walk in a straight line so people can get around you. Uh, people who stop on a sidewalk, I think that you should be in prison. <laughs> like, you should be. If you're like, stop. If you are on a sidewalk in the middle of a sidewalk checking your phone, you should be able to get a ticket for that, I, don't I think. I think I want to live in Bridget City. <laughs> like, you've got, you've got, you, you can't 
stop and talk to your friend if you see them on the sidewalk. You, you can. You've got to walk in a single file line where you can't look at each other. You absolutely can. You just got to scoot over. I think that I think that what gets me, and maybe maybe it's again, this is my most Karen city opinion. I'm totally willing to own that. But I do think that we have lost the understanding of some basic principles of conveyance in urban environments. Places where people are moving, keep them moving, right? Like yeah. don't stop there. Understand that even as a human, you can be an obstruction. So if you're walking and you see a friend, Move to the side of the sidewalk so people can get around you. No problem. Standing right there and being like, oh, we're in the middle of the sidewalk. Everybody who walks by has to like take great pains to get around us. That I'm not cool with. Another one right. is, um, this is a, a very personal one. Uh, sandwich boards on narrow sidewalks. There's a, I live on a pretty narrow sidewalk and there's a, someone puts a sandwich board out there every day. And I'm always like, this takes up like half the street like or half the sidewalk. Like, isn't there a better way to do this? Like every single day you have to block half the sidewalk. I think that part of it comes from, I mean, it, it always gets back down to like race and gentrification in this city, right? But I think I have a anxiety or a hang up, like an internal hang up when I feel like the, the ebb and flow of city life is not being respected. And I think that sidewalks in my like whatever lizard brain becomes part of that, where it's like, don't you realize that you're people that got to get to work, you're blocking them with your, I, ho I hope I don't sound like a crazy person, but yeah, it, it, it feels very wrapped up in some internalized feelings I have around who is the city for, who are public sidewalks for, what are they for, you know, what do, what do we consider a, a obstruction and what do we not consider an obstruction? What do we treat like an obstruction and what do we just welcome as like, well, now that's in the city. We don't have similar conversations that about what is a, disturbance or a hindrance of public space when it's tied to a corporation. And I think that if these e-bikes were not like bringing money into the city tied to big tech companies like Uber, we would probably be, have a very different understanding of thinking about these things as a blight as opposed to just accepting like, okay, well, now they're littered all over our city and half the time they're garbage anyway. It's, it's like a equation that I don't love. I mean, I, you could look at your point of view another way, which is that like you are prioritizing getting places over other uses and like you see it as like through a frame of gentrification that you've got young people often young with disposable income who are the, the users of uh, the e-bikes and scooters and so on and they are littering up the sidewalk for other people who have places to go and might be walking there um there's another way of looking at it which is like I mean, if there was a, a controversy, at, uh, at some sort of run-in between like a banker getting to work, hustling, <laughs> and a group of young teenagers just loitering and hanging around on the sidewalk, you could see the like class dynamics completely the other way. Totally. Where the like the person who assumes the sidewalk is for getting someplace is the more powerful entity, and the people who get to use the sidewalk to hang out, maybe because they are teenagers and can't hang out at home or maybe because they don't have big houses or whatever, that they are the less powerful. I'm just saying like, like there's a lot of different uses and cities have a lot of people in close proximity and the powerful have a bunch of different needs just as the powerless do. Oh my gosh. You're so right. It's one of those things where it's like, if I'm the one hustling to work, everybody around me is just a hindrance because I got to get to work. If I'm the one kicking it on an e-bike, having a good time and somebody else is getting to work, that person is not respecting the fabric of what makes DC, DC. Correct. It's totally just like, 
whatever I, whatever situation I happen to find myself in, that's yes. a situation I'm advocating for. <laughs> Correct. And like, I am the pedestrian and the bicyclist that I hate <laughs> most. The things that annoy me when I'm driving are the things, precisely the things I do when I'm in a, on a bike or, or on foot. Well, it's different when I do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I think that there's been so much attention in the last 10 or 15 years to like transit systems and you know dc has, has had like very public debates about like should we put bike lanes here should we reroute these streets or should we have more one-way streets or two-way streets or whatever that like in a way like everybody is empowered to feel like they are a transit engineer you know <laughs> um so like look at the way this guy like double parked there is like you know look at all the different people who are inconvenienced by this but the guy you know maybe he's uh, maybe he needs to go to the bathroom really badly and he just couldn't help it and he certainly, I mean, having been in that situation, he's not thinking about his behavior like we are as observers. And I definitely think there's something to this idea that you just brought up about in urban environments, everybody becomes a transit expert. Everybody is an urban planner. Everybody knows exactly what we should be doing. Why doesn't the mayor just talk to me, Bridget? Because I would get this settled, no time flat. Um, it's just one of those things about city life. It's actually something that I think that makes living in a city special is everybody feeling entitled to have a take and the friction of all of those takes bumping up against each other. It's, some, it's something that I think it's not always pleasant, but it's like a real sign of urban life that I have grown quite accustomed to. Right. Right. On, on that note, Bridget, I wish you an unencumbered walk home. <laughs> I hope the next time I see you, I'm not scolding you for blocking a sidewalk. <laughs> Before you go, here's lead producer Priyanka Tilbe with some quick news. One of John Falcicchio's accusers has come forward in an interview with The Washington Post to reveal details of the harassment that she faced while working with the former deputy mayor. Falcicchio was the mayor's right-hand man up until he resigned abruptly in March. His former employee accuses him of kissing her despite her protests and masturbating in front of her. A city investigation has corroborated the claims, and the D.C. Council is calling for an independent investigation as well. We covered more details in our Friday episode, so be sure to check that out. From now on, if you're riding the Metrobus late, you'll be able to ask your driver to make a, quote, courtesy stop. That's a stop in between official bus stops. The policy is in effect on all regular bus routes, not express ones, between 9 p.m. and 5 a.m. It aims to improve public safety by dropping off riders closer to their destinations. Also, DC is launching a pilot program next month that will send targeted messages to high-risk drivers, warning them to follow traffic rules. The program is the city's latest effort to tackle the rise in deadly crashes. Data will be collected over one year to assess if the program reduced risky driving. And lastly, all three DC airports briefly halted incoming and outgoing flights on Sunday afternoon. The Federal Aviation Authority demanded the pause to make repairs to a communication system at the Potomac Terminal Radar Approach Control Facility. Travel got back on track after just about an hour, but it diverted and delayed a bunch of flights, causing plenty of airport mayhem. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. And if you enjoyed the show, why not tell your favorite friend that loves to scoop? And for more hot takes on all local and civic issues, subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey DC. Just text DC to 66866. And we'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city. Talk to you then.
I'm planning on like hanging out at that bus stop underneath the window and, and uh, blocking all traffic. I'll be looking out my window, just shaking my head. <laughs>